0: Hello, welcome to the Marketing Minutes podcast. I'm your host, Colby Klusterman, and happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope everyone's week is off to a great start. Um, I'm excited to be here today because we have a now recurring guest, Barrett King. Barrett, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be back here. It's fun.
0: Yes. Very fun. So we're going to jump right into it. We're talking about demand generation today. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. I think I have mentioned this before, but we've had some of these conversations on the show around demand generation before, but I think it's just so great to get different perspectives on it. And I, with you with such a strong sales background and a lot of that strategy, um, super interested to hear what you have to say. So with that, Barrett. Can you tell us what is demand generation and what makes it a unique sales strategy?
1: Demand gen, I can. It is is um it's a fun term to use, right? So like I think what's happened over the last couple of years is digital marketing, your content creation, your social media, whatnot, has evolved to be more inclusive. And so I think about it in terms of uh specifically B2B. I would add one letter to that statement, B2B to P and that's the demand generation has always been about awareness and generating traffic to a website and educating your potential buyers, your prospects, curating an audience, things like that that made sense. The difference, I think, that you're seeing now, I would sort of revise a definition for what, have I, what I would have said years ago, is that there's a, a human component, a personal component. And so when I think about demand gen today, it's the evolution away from only broad strokes. And I mean that specifically because if you look at like you know, B2C, and you think about that model, it is fairly broad strokes, it's high education value and whatnot. When you think about B2B, you typically hear things like persona development more so, certainly present in both scenarios, but persona development and thinking about targeted content, targeted outreach, things that are tailored to a specific audience. I think the evolution now is that it's tailored to a specific person. So that persona was always, you know, I don't know, COO of a Uh, a software company, you know, with like 25 to 250 employees and $100 million, like whatever that specific, very clear articulated, you know, vision was. The difference now is that when you look at what I described as B to B to P, P being person, so business to business to person, you see a lot more of the buying process tailored to and tied to, I think, in many ways, the individuals that are using a tool or engaged in a service. And it's not just the typical single buyer. You may have a single initial evaluator or or you know, call it one or two people, if you will. But I think the shift in terms of demand gen and and just a general awareness has got away from blanket content and And while, to be clear, that is still relevant and important and should be incorporated into your strategy, this hyper personalization that's come with the acceleration of social media and the access to data and information, in particular the last like five or so years, I think is where you're seeing the fundamental shift away from, as I started to say before, you know, persona based and specific to a group of individuals. And you know, while that again is still present, going a layer deeper and saying, "Let me curate content for a specific individual," which is why you saw things like, you know, one to one video and video at scale, and you know, sequences and things like that that were meant to be personalized outreach and you know, awareness, kind of consideration stage um, uh, uh, processes, right? Strategies that that stuff became more prevalent in the last couple of years. That's
0: that's interesting. So, do you think that B two B that B2BP uh, definition, does that blend in more with how we look at demand generation for B2C and how maybe that's more individualized? Or do you think they're still very different?
1: I I think there's a blurring of just general marketing and sales efforts right now that you're seeing. And and like we could go so far as to say it's going to become gray in general, less black and white and more gray with AI. I think You know, technology's acceleration. I'm a technologist. I really like technology. On my opposing screen, you can't see it, but I'm I'm comparing like four different digital cameras. I have a camera on my desk, right? But I like technology, so I'm always learning. I'm always reading about it. Um, I think the thing that you're seeing is that technology is adapting to the way that buyers want to be communicated with, and so the shift in B2B versus B2C is relevant. I think the bigger question is how are tools and the access to individuals, those kind of two components. So the like uh, the broad scales enablement tool component, and then the access being like social channels and email and whatnot, how are those two coinciding with a shift in the way that buyers experience your brand? And so your question is super relevant, which is like, is there a, a crossing of those lines? I don't know if the lines are just maybe less clear. And that might be the thing that I would respond with. I think when you look at traditional B2B or B2C, it was always like the difference between selling to like manufacturers and then having like an online e-com platform, like very stark differences and very clear lines of demarcation. I think now you see more than ever that while those two topics are perhaps front and center for a lot of marketers and sales folks, that the separation of those two is less, that you see you know, e-com as a part of a B2B brand. You see B2B now reaching into the, like, hyper-personalization I was describing. And so I think what it is is a fundamental shift because, as I mentioned before, the tools got better. The the access to tools at scale became more interesting and more certainly relevant. And now, you know, uh, the AI stuff is just bananas. I mean, everyone is talking about ChatGPT and and Jasper and, and um, Content AI, and there's just a bunch of really cool, interesting, valuable tools. We are... Like this is the gold rush, right? We are at the very, very early stages of it. And so I think as a marketer, as a salesperson, as somebody looking to engage any buyer anywhere, you're going to see this acceleration of truly intimate experience in a buyer's process. It's just my two cents. I'm, you know Who am I in that sense? But I'm going to put my stake in the ground on this. Um, and I think because of that, you know, your question again, in terms of like the difference, I think if you look back in even three years, four, maybe five at the max, People will be talking a little bit less around that demographic, the, like, the, the B2B, B2C, B2B2P, as I mentioned, my kind of fun phrase there, and more about thinking about curating hyper-personalized experience, which AI will drive, and the tool evolution because of that will drive the ability to scale across an organization.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, AI has come up in in so many conversations on the show, outside of the show, like even in personal lives. um, For me, at least, I'm sure for other people as well. Um, So it's super interesting to get that perspective. And um, like you said, I think it could really help the scaling of, well, if I have to reach these people on a very individualized basis, then I'm going to need to write more content and make it specific to them. So um, great, great stuff. I do want to get into... Getting started, or not maybe not getting started, but setting yourself up for success. So, let's say 2023, we're really going to lean into demand generation. Maybe we're doing some of it already. Maybe we have buyer personas. Maybe we do create content um, for each stage. Is there like a, a piece of advice you would give someone to great? You're doing these things, but here's how you set yourself up for success in this year.
1: actually I just talked to a company I advised this morning quite literally about this. Uh, I, I think the difference from five years ago today to today, as I was mentioning, like AI aside, tools aside, everything else, I think it's the access to your buyer. And I think with that access comes a responsibility, really an opportunity to tackle it from both ends. So I think what I would do is first off, I would ask my customers that look like my buyer. So I would look at my customer base and I have to assume that like this business has five customers, 10 customers minimum. They've got something going on, right? And and what I mean by that is I would go and talk to them about you know why they bought from us I would talk to them about some of the problems we solve from their perspective like I, I know we can make assumptions as the company and the marketer and the salesperson all day long but I want to capture their voice I want to do that as soon as possible and you know yeah there's good reason to say let's build a case study or things of that nature that's valuable I think to some extent but I would be thinking more about it in terms of of tailoring and, and being very specific around why our customers are engaged and what they're getting by staying engaged from us. So your message, excuse me, messaging should shift away from you know the idea that we're going to talk about a bunch of things and more toward, we're going to show a bunch of things. So it's kind of the second piece of this is like, now we're learning from our customers. What are they experiencing? What are they liking? Be more transparent. You know, I'm, I'm at HubSpot, right? For those of you that looked me up on LinkedIn afterwards, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to answer questions, feedback, or otherwise. One of the things we did really well, we ungated content early. A lot of folks at the time were gating content. I think you have to be intentional about giving. It's this give-get methodology in the market. Give first, and then you will receive in return. That means thought leadership. That means content. That means ideas. You need to be extremely transparent because people are going to come back to you when they can gain something from you. And if you're always asking for their email or for something in return, people get exhausted by it and they go somewhere else where they can find it instead. So first step, learn from your, your customers. Second step, give to your prospects. Third step, I think most importantly, learn from your prospects. So we bring it full circle here. Listen to what they're actually saying. If you're not going back and recapping as a salesperson every good and bad call that you're having as best you can, do it once a week. As a marketer, if you're not tapping into your best and worst salespeople's calls and listening to those recordings and engaging, you're not getting the kind of finger on the pulse experience that you actually need to understand what the market's doing. Because here's the kind of fundamental change that I've personally seen, and I I think I would I would charge ahead on this if I was in a role right now that was responsible for demand gen in a very cloudy, very busy, very noisy space. The market is just all over the map. We've seen it obviously in the the financial markets, in the the social dynamic we've, we've had. Obviously, no one open a news app right now. You'll see it everywhere. A lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, I think the thing that's important is, you know, is truly listening to what's going on in the market and not making assumptions. And I think what you see with the more traditional, I'm doing bunny ears here, like the traditional folks that are used to doing demand gen or even sales outreach. It's that they think they know what they're talking about. And I was, I'm a recovering salesperson, if you will. I've been a salesperson for most of my professional career and I love it. I mean, I love sales. I'm, I'm good at it. I enjoy it. It's the human connection. What made myself and others, you know, really good at it at times was learning to be incredibly adaptive. I, early in my career, I worked in restaurants and I think, When I tell my story, I always tailor back to the truth, which is that working in restaurants made me think quicker than my peers. I had to be very fast. I was a GM. I had to solve problems constantly. I think when you fast forward to today, the marketer or the salesperson that's in a demand gen role is trying to figure out how do they go to market in a very smart and successful way. They have to be adaptive. They have to listen. And I don't like the term pivot because I think pivot – you know, sort of gives the idea that we should get rid of what we did before. I think it's this idea of guardrails. I like to use that expression. So think about driving down the road, you're in your vehicle, whatever your favorite car is, picture that in your mind right now, listener, and you've got guardrails in the highway. The highway might be four lanes wide. It might be a little dirt road off the, you know, side broken path, and it's barely a car width. In either scenario, you've got an edge to the end of that road. What's important is you could have nothing there and allow somebody to drive off of it. That's what most demand gen and outreach campaigns are right now. There's no set of guardrails that say like, hey, if you don't immediately find value, stay along with us. So as you think about the kind of early tactical strategies, content that uh, speaks to a multiple different kind of audience voice, valuable. Thinking about doing a, you know, a lot of folks want to build their content for days, weeks, even months out, even years, I've heard more recently. I think that's a mistake. I would be thinking about days, you know, kind of day to day, if you will, and then I, I would think that weeks at max, perhaps for your more anchoring content, is that's kind of my last thing that I would I would circle up and, and land the plane on this thought on, is the idea that you should have multi dimensions to your strategy, and so you've got your like anchoring content that's going to live foundational to your brand online. It's blogs, it's social posts, it's content on the the web. All of that should live, you know, sort of in perpetuity. There's nothing wrong with having that that long term, but in the short term, as I mentioned, the tactics listening to your customer by talking to them. Um, and then listening to your, your prospect by talking to them, asking them why they bought asking why they didn't buy, you know, the end, when they sign your contract, one of the first things you should do in that next kickoff conversation is say like, why'd you say yes? What are you excited about? What are you looking for? Because that's immediately the next piece of content, the next statement, the next conversation you can start to bring in more like-minded individuals to that person, to your brand and obviously aid in your success.
0: Well, there was so much great information in that, but there was two things I want to call out, um. You said kind of going straight to the source, talking to those, your clients, the ones that have stuck around for a long time, the ones that are engaged and also talking to your prospects, what went right, what went wrong, um, and kind of throwing assumptions out the window. Don't just assume what, like what you think went right for them went right. It could be a totally different answer. I hope people listen to that kind of on loop because there's so much information to gain from it. But those were, I think two important themes to that conversation that I really wanted to call out. So. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it's a pleasure having you on the show. We're going to talk again uh, on Friday about building a go-to-market strategy and what that all entails. I know you have lots of expertise to share there as well. So really excited for that conversation. Before we jump, you have a great podcast. Can you Do you want to plug that real quick before we go so people can tune in if they're interested?
1: Yeah, check it out. It's Partnerships and SaaS. You can look me up on all the usual locations, obviously YouTube, Spotify, Apple, um, you can also shoot me a note on LinkedIn. I mean, I'm, I'm a very open person. My expertise typically lies in partnerships, go-to-market strategy, marketing sales, things of that nature. I've been very SaaS focused, but I was for 10 plus years in restaurants. So if you want to talk about opening a little bistro somewhere, we can do that too. Um, it's Barrett J. King. You can find me on all those platforms.
0: Yeah. Perfect. We'll link that too. And um, yeah, love, love that restaurant call back too. Cause I am sure like many other people have spent some time in a restaurant and it's, it's a whole nother beast. So
1: I love it. it's great.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much again. Uh, we'll talk to you again on Friday and uh, it was a pleasure as always.
1: Same. Looking forward to it. Take care.
0: Thank you for everyone for spending a few minutes with us. Please feel free to rate us five stars on Apple podcast and Spotify, and we'll talk to you next time. See us.